You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste with me, Sharon Noonan. I have a great lineup of guests for you on this programme and we're going to be starting with our resident restaurant reviewer, Rachel Keeley from Food and Wine magazine. And Rachel has been to a restaurant called Salt and that's down in Cork. I've been out on my travels this past couple of weeks and a trip up north meant the perfect opportunity to catch up with Caroline Wilson from the Belfast Food Tour to find out about how her business has grown and developed thanks to last year's Northern Ireland Year of Food and Drink celebrations. Closer to home, I called to see Matt Jay and Wojtek at the Silver Room in Newcastle West the day before they opened the restaurant to the public for the first time last week. And also this evening, I'm looking forward to talking to Kwanjik Chan about Asian cuisine. If you'd like to get in touch with me, the details are the same as always. Drop me an email to s.noonan at live.ie or you can tweet me at Queen of Org as in Queen of Organisation. So tonight, Rachel Keeley returns to the studio with her latest review. So let's find out what she thought of salt in cork bon appetit yummy grubs up delicious mm. rachel thanks for coming in tonight thanks sharon it's great to be here and the last time you were here you were talking about kilkenny and this time you're in cork yeah another ancient city um but a little bit, one a little bit closer to home we actually took the train down this time which was something a little bit different because i had been driving all week long and did not fancy it on a sunday um, and for 12 whole euro we were transported down to cork in an hour and a half so definitely something i'd recommend and um, we were we were visiting a place called salt on victoria road it's a wine bar sort of cafe sort of restaurant one of those places um and it is just sort of across the lee in a gorgeous victorian terraced house a, a group of Victorian terraced houses looks like something out of a storybook absolutely beautiful gingerbread houses really is the only way to describe them um, but the actual bar itself or the, the cafe itself um, is small in a little little community it's got sort of a mixture of elegant period style features and modern sort of chrome finishes so it's a very interesting place and and had outdoor seating which is important to us how did you hear about salt I came across it on Twitter I found a couple of people in Cork had been talking about it and saying that it's a good place to get uh, proper sort of hearty food and an enjoyable glass of wine. And I said, that could be a good way to spend a Sunday. Is it relatively new? I think it is, yeah. I think it's only open maybe about six months, possibly possibly nine, something along those lines. Um, but it doesn't really feel that way when you're down there. Everything seems very much under control. Um, they feel the whole place feels quite comfortable as if they've been doing this for quite a while um, which is obviously you know testament to sort of good management you know well when you're talking about the exterior of the building there that kind of gives you certain preconceptions about the interior so what was it like inside um it was it was quite modern um, it reminded me of a bar or a cafe in Manhattan do you know it sort of had all the glasses hanging upside down from above the bar the bar itself seems to be something from maybe turn of the century or at least it's designed to look that way um, but everything else you know lots of tall uh, stools for people to sit on they have an outdoor uh, patio in the front and also at the back as well which is covered over for smokers so that's a good good place to sort of or a good way to look after lots of different types of clientele and make sure everyone's happy so it's um it's it's not it's bigger than it looks from the outside so i wouldn't be put off if it if you find it quite busy outside the menu then tell us the sort of dishes that they serve up 
Um, well, we went for brunch, so we sort of had a brunch lunch menu uh, to hand, and a lot of very attractive things on it. It was one of those menus that makes you want to try a little bit of everything. Um, we had initially asked for a glass of orange juice, it being sort of one o'clock or so, and they were out of it, which I think was a small bit of disaster for the kitchen. But to be fair, our server, who happened to be fantastic, she was the funniest waitress with the most raucous sense of humour I've ever dealt with in my life um, really kind of it really elevated the dining experience actually and reminded us that there is nothing like Irish hospitality there's nothing like having the crack with somebody while you're also having your meal she's also very efficient and obviously very obliging but um, certainly she is somebody that they should be very proud of and, and she certainly made us enjoy the meal a little bit more so she very handily suggested that instead of orange we have a blini so the, all of a sudden the brunch got elevated into a slightly boozy lunch, but it was brilliant and it worked out very, very well. Uh, and they were €7.50 each, so it's certainly a nice, affordable treat to have very on a Sunday afternoon. for a Bellini. Yeah. yeah, and then in terms of the the menu, there were lots of different types. There were like standard, normal, you know, um, egg and toast and egg and bacon and sausages and all those kind of things, but also a few more interesting dishes. And what I liked is that they weren't afraid of new and slightly different um, and ethnic ingredients as well. So certainly lots of interesting things to try. So I started with the Lima brunch, which entailed two butternut squash, sweet potato and quinoa patties uh, that were enhanced with an array of Indian spices. I could, you know, taste turmeric there and cumin and absolutely fantastic um, and they were served with um, eggs on top so free range uh, eggs ripe avocado crispy smoked pancetta um, and uh, a couple of other sprinklings of, of herbs on the top I was nearly going to say my god you've gone for the vegetarian option there but then the pancetta came into it so. it, it did there's just a sliver of it um, but it just kind of that little reassuring element of um proper meat that, that I lovely. do like it was amazing and actually those patties were something that I will try at home at some point um, the consistency was perfect it, it just really sort of held together beautifully and they, the flavours felt very fresh um, and something very interesting obviously to have that kind of lingering taste of those Indian spices as well and what about Anthony what did he go for um, he also went for eggs, uh, sort of that was our concession to breakfast, and these were served on potatoes yakni, uh, which is billed as a Greek stew, and it certainly certainly looked like something Mediterranean. It was warming, um, or Mediterranean should I say, it was warming, colourful, um, all those lovely kind of red colours, and um, had eggs on top, and then they, when you cut into them, the yolks spilled down onto a base of saffron, scented tomatoes, onions, grilled peppers, spring onions, and flowery potatoes, which I understand is the meaning of the yakni, find the name. And was he satisfied with that? No. Okay. <laughs> he ordered more. <laughs> we were settling in for a proper afternoon in Cork. Um, we decided to split then the quesadillas, so, so something a little bit more substantial. Um, they were called La Plancho, La Pancho Villa uh, Quesadillas, €10.90. Uh, a little bit more straightforward, something we all would have had plenty of times. Flattened tortilla um, inside were marinated chicken, uh, roast chicken, roasted peppers, and what was billed as Mexican cheese, um, whatever that is. And uh, it was it was very nice. It was served with guacamole um, on the side and uh, pickled jalapenos, which, which sort of elevated the dish and made it a little bit more interesting than it would have been without it. Um, a fresh, creamy avocado, which is always a good bonus. Yeah. You always feel very healthy when you're having avocado, I think. Exactly, yes. Yeah. So it doesn't matter about Bellini. I've had an avocado. All yeah. is right. Exactly. <laughs> it's fine. Exactly. <laughs> And what came next then? Did you have more Bellinis or did you have anything different to drink? 
Um, no, we stuck with, we just had one more round of Bellinis, but then after a while the um, the peach starts to become a little bit cloying, you know, that a little bit too much saccharine flavour, so we switched to plain old tea <laughs> at that point. We had we were worn out. Uh, so we had a pot of tea um, and then ordered a dessert to share. We had the baked lemon cheesecake, um, which was very nice. The soft, sort of feathery like cheese on top was great. The biscuit base was rock hard, and no matter what, I couldn't seem to penetrate it with my fork. Um, so that took a little bit of work, but it was worth it once we did actually crack open the nut um, and it was very very enjoyable the drizzle drizzle of passion fruit kili on the side or even kuli on the side really sort of lifted the uh, the citrus flavors and gave it that nice sharpness which is lovely fantastic it sounds like it was a lovely meal nice atmosphere great service nice staff it ticked was a lot of boxes exactly and and it was a, one of those lovely cold but sunny winter's days so it was lovely to be able to sit outside in our coats and read the Sunday papers lots of the people were there they were very very busy there was a queue the entire time Um, and yeah the the entire dining experience was a very very enjoyable one which um, is not something I can say very often everything came together as you say Okay, so mm-hmm. you would definitely recommend it. I would, I would. Um, and I would recommend going a little bit earlier unless you're prepared to wait. It seems to be quite popular. And what did your bill come to? It came to €52, Euro, uh, given that we had spent about two and a half hours there annoying all the staff. Uh, I think that was quite good value. That covered um, two cocktails, three brunch dishes, dessert and a pot of tea. So not, yep, not, not bad. Mm-hmm. And your cork to Limerick Tree and Fair was good value as well by the signs of it 12 whole euro yeah I'll, I'll, uh, <laughs> support and had you that online in advance or was that just y- a yeah, Sunday no, d- I think it, I think it's always pretty cheap I think it's always quite good value but yeah if you book online in advance I think all those those rates are quite cheap but I always had thought it'd be a bit like Galway where it takes longer to, to go by train than it does by car um, but no an hour and a half um, door to door I think we had to do the normal uh, traditional changeover at Limerick Junction where you listen to a muffled tannoy tell you where not to go and uh, but that's right of passage in the Irish countryside isn't it <laughs> has to be done are all the details on your blog they are indeed yeah they are on uh, ormkeely.com and it's probably out now on in the food and wine magazine in stores brilliant listen Rachel thanks so much for coming in tonight to tell us about that and we shall talk again soon great to be here thanks so much Erin cheers chin chin salut schleinte Great to talk to Rachel and if you have a spot that you think she should visit, please drop me an email with all the details, s.nunan at live.ie and I'll pass that on to her. And I'll have to point her in the direction of Newcastle West's latest dining edition, the Silver Room in Market Yard. I called in there last week and that was just the day before it opened and I had a chat with owners Maché and Wojtek to find out more about them and what we can expect from their new venture. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Maché and Wojtek, thanks so much for having me here in the Silver Room in the heart of Newcastle West. A very exciting venture for both of you and your childhood friends. So I want to find out a bit more about the two of you. You're both from Poland. Uh, hello, how are you? My name is Maciej Patr. Uh, yes, uh, I'm from Poland. I came into Ireland in December uh, 2005. I start work in Woodlands House Hotel. Uh, I went through uh, different levels uh, during the last 11 years. So I was I started as a waiter. Uh, then I went through. Uh, I was promoted to the shift leader in the restaurant. Uh, then I was promoted to a position of the supervisor, and uh, I end up as a head of department. 
I took over Timmy Max Bistro and I also, also was doing uh, duty manager shifts in the hotel. Wojtek, you both have a lot of experience. You bring a lot of hospitality experience with you and you both have won a few awards. Yes, uh, my name is Wojciech Płochic. Uh, I also come, come in from Poland uh, and the last 11 years I spent in Woodlands House Hotel. Uh, I also gone through the different level uh, in uh, in the Woodlands. Uh, I started as a waiter over 11 years ago, actually. Uh, and then the last position was uh, assistant bistro manager uh, in Timmy Max, Max Bistro. Uh, so uh, that will be a big adventure for us. So we we really uh, proud. Uh, we getting support from uh, many of our friends, uh, also uh, Mary Fitzgerald, who's so, she's so proud of us. So uh, hopefully everything will be uh, okay. It's great that you're getting so much support from the Fitzgerald family and also from the people in Newcastle West because you both you both live in the town. Yes, that's true. Um, I only six and a half year in Newcastle West. But I think much is uh, seven years, is it? Or yes, I'm living in Newcastle for the last eight years. Uh, and I would like to thank you for the opportunity uh, to work in Woodlands House Hotel for all the experience, for, uh, for everything what they did for us, because it was uh, very important for me. And I think at this stage we are uh, ready and well prepared to, to start our own uh, business and hopefully it's gonna be successful and thank you for all the support to all the people for all the good words and uh, we didn't really expect it that uh, so many people can uh, can support us they're all coming in uh, here visiting us see how are we getting on and and that was very nice and i would like to thank you everybody for all the support now, you, you are both Polish, but the menu is not a Polish menu. It's very much an Irish-inspired menu with lots of Irish-sourced ingredients. Exactly. Uh, we live in Ireland. Um, the, the menu has to be uh, prepared uh, for customers, what they expect uh, to get the local uh, food. So uh, ingredients, all the products, uh, there are sourced uh, here in Ireland, actually local suppliers is, as well. I'm just looking now at the menu and some of the, the dishes that you have on it and there's a starter here that I think is going to appeal to a lot of people because it's kind of a tasting platter and everybody likes a bit of that. It's the Silver Room Tasting Board. Just talk us through what is on that, Maché. So yes, our uh, the Silver Room Tasting Board, uh, it's a... Uh, Sharing platter, the idea behind it was just to uh, give a taste, a bit of taste of uh, everything. So you can uh, you can taste our uh, Limerick ham, you can taste Tornafula black pudding, uh, Brian Wilmot's uh, famous leek and uh, pork sausages, and also Cahill's cheese, uh, uh, garlic and herb, and porter cheese, and all uh, served with homemade relish and uh, toasted brioche. Well, I have a husband now. I'm not sure if he'd want to share that with me or not. He might want to have it all for himself, but it sounds delicious. And then one that I probably would be definitely going for for a main course is the Silver Room Warm Seafood Platter. Seafood Platter, exactly. Uh, that's the focus, the what they not eat 
too much meat so the fish will be a nice option for it and uh, there's uh, three types of fish uh, with mussels and uh, prawns as well so that's the combination uh, from the uh, Atlantic so there's a good mix on the menu of you have your beef lamb fish chicken Irish chicken of course and then vegetarian options Yes, that's uh, that was the idea. So everyone can pick something for uh, for themselves. There is there is option for everybody. We hope uh, you will enjoy it, and everyone will find something on the menu. And if they've room after all of that, you have a lovely selection of desserts, which are all homemade. Of course, in restaurant you have to get uh, something nice to finish your meal. I don't mean the wine only, uh, so you might get something sweet, but also with the wine you can get uh, bored with the cheese. So I think that's a good idea also. But I think the pièce de résistance for the desserts is the, the homemade pancakes with all those different options of fillings. That was actually uh, our uh, chef, uh, head chef idea, so we, we agree, we said we try it. It's, a, it's a something different, something something else, so we said we will try it and... Hopefully it's going to be successful. And for somebody that's a parent of two small children, it's always nice to have the bit of a carrot for the dessert. If you eat up the dinner, you'll get a nice dessert. And my two are just mad for the crepes and the pancakes. So I'll have to have to bring them in and, and make sure that they eat a good dinner. The children's menu then, what way have you approached it? Is it a case of they can have like a smaller portion of the adult dishes? We have uh, selected uh, products for kids, so actually there's a separate menu for children. Uh, there's a few starters on the but main course there'll be a few more dishes, like uh, you can get uh, pasta with tomato sauce, you can get the burger. Uh, children also like the sausages, so they have to be on the menu also. Uh, proper chicken gusions as well. Uh, and then uh, we also might do like a uh, smaller portion of uh, roast special. Wojtek, you mentioned wine earlier on and you've been working with Ron Forrestal, who is well known to the listeners on the show here. And he's been collaborating with you to come up with an ideal wine list. Uh, I have to say and take opportunity to thank you to Ron for everything what he did for us. It was a real pleasure to, to work with him. Uh, Everything was done, like his service was absolutely great, I have to say. And, and thank you, Ron, for everything. Especially uh, selected wines, I think, uh, again, everyone will find something for, for, for themselves. Yeah, I see a few of the favourites there, like the Hazy View, Shannon Blanc from South Africa, and of course the Ned from New Zealand. Hugely popular wines, which go well with most dishes, I find, in my experience. And you'll be able to match those then to the dishes. Of course, we are, uh, the experience, our experience, uh, what we have, that will help to choose uh, good wine for the customers as well. Okay, so the perfect match there. Whenever it comes to opening a restaurant, everybody has their own vision and their own ideas as to what they want it to be. So in terms of customers coming in and guests coming in to dine here, what what are the three ingredients that you want for them? In my opinion, that's very, very easy. <laughs> uh, first of all, uh, they look in, the people, when they come into restaurant, they're looking for good and fresh food. So that's the first ingredient. Uh, another one that would be great service, which, uh, which we can provide. Uh, atmosphere and 
warm, warm atmosphere and uh, I don't know, maybe a good selection of wine, which which is which we already discussed. So um, people have to enjoy themselves. They, they, they want to spend a nice time in restaurant, uh, celebrate something or just uh, have a meal. Everyone will find something uh, for themselves, uh, I think, in our restaurant. Okay, fantastic. Now, before we go, we must ask about the name, the Silver Room, because people will be wondering, how did you come up with the name? Uh, you know, actually, it took, took us a while before we decided about the name. There were different options and long discussions, but like going forward, we decided to our interior design. We were going with the colors of like silver, white and black. So the next thing, the idea about the silver room, uh, we decided to go uh, with this. Like so, it's it's uh, that that's that's there was no big s- story about it. Like, but but we decided to to go with the silver room restaurant. Well, it certainly is lovely and glitzy inside. The decor is lovely. The ambiance is very nice, even though it's just the three of us today. So I wish you all the best with it. Congratulations on your new adventure. Thank you very much, Sharon, and thank you for a great opportunity and thank you for uh, visiting us and uh, we hope uh, to vi- to see you here uh, very soon. Thanks, Sharon, for coming in. Uh, I also would like to thank you, everyone, uh, all our friends and people who support us, also our families. They were all involved uh, to do uh, everything in here as well. I also would like to invite everyone to visit our uh, Facebook page. Uh, we'll be put put you more uh, information and uh, shortly we will build up our website page as well. On that note I think we'll finish off with a cheers to the Silver Room. You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste with me, Sharon Noonan. Just before the break, I was in the Silver Room in Newcastle West, the town's latest restaurant, which opened last week, and it's open Tuesday to Sunday. If you check out the Silver Room Facebook page, you'll get all the details there. And whenever I was there last week, the owners, Maché and Wojtek, were very keen that I get the message across that they are really very grateful to everyone that has supported them in getting the restaurant open, from friends and family to suppliers, landlords, as well as the local business community and residents so best of luck to them if you are just tuning in to tonight's show you can catch the full show later in the week on the podcast which is on SharonNoonan.com or have a look for it on iTunes or you can also download it free of charge and listen to it using your podcast app and it's also being repeated on West Limerick 102 FM on a Wednesday morning from 9 o'clock until 10 o'clock so that's a new edition still to come tonight I return north to catch up with Caroline Wilson from the Belfast Food Tour. Next though we're heading over to the telephone to talk to Kwanji Chan. The Chinese New Year was celebrated at the end of January and it got me thinking a little bit about Asian cuisine and there's no doubting that Kwanji is an expert in this area. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinte. Kwanji, Happy New Year to you. Thanks very much, Sharon. It's the the year of the rooster. What exactly does that mean? The year of the rooster is the Chinese lunar calendar it works on. And there's normally uh, 12 animals that uh, represent a year of each. So 12 years to actually go around the whole um, 
Chinese calendar, and they're all mainly um, animals. And this year is the year of the rooster, so the, it's it's fairly early this year. It's normally around maybe the first week of uh, February or the second week of February. It's just the way the lunar calendar works this year. So we start from the 28th and normally lasts up to February the 15th. So and it's also called the Spring Festival. So a couple of weeks of celebrations to look forward to every year. Yeah, so two weeks of celebrations with uh, where family come home. So um, to you know to wherever you are really um, mainly go back to China. So it's probably one of the biggest uh, migration movement as well in the world. Now you yourself, you were born in Hong Kong, but you grew up in Donegal. Just explain how that all came about. I was born in Hong Kong, 1977, and um, I moved to Donegal goal when I was around eight so um, went to Donegal and um, I think they went to one of my uncles was in um, Belfast working or in England started off in England normally um, that's where the morning um, the, the migration went you know so from Hong Kong to, to London and then um, my uncle decided to go to Belfast and he lived there for a while and then ended up in Donegal open um, a Chinese uh, restaurant, a takeaway in the restaurant. That's how you, how we got the connection to go to Donegal, you know. So yeah. So you grew up surrounded by fantabulous cuisine. Yeah. So most of my most of my um, family were all chefs. Yeah. And was it something that you always wanted to do yourself, or was there anything else that you were interested in trying for a while? When when you have a you know a takeaway in the restaurant, and especially when you're um, um, a Chinese family as well, I was the only Chinese. Uh, Chinese kid in town, you know, in my hometown, Bunkrana, in County Donegal, and we were only Chinese family there at the time as well, so um, we kind of, everybody kind of give a hands together and help, you know, so I always washed the dishes and, you know, boiling the rice, and that's, that's where I started when I was eight or nine, and then um, worked my way up until, you know, say about when I was 13 or 15, I was um, actually cooking all the, all the dishes on the menu and taking on the four walks at the one time. So that's um, that's when I was 15. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. And yet you still decided to go on to college and you went to, which college did you go to to study? So I decided um, after leaving, so I was never really good at the school, you know, so I was really good at art. I got honours in art, so I did my junior cert in leaving cert, got honours in art and I said, look, um, I like the cooking part of it, but um I didn't want to continue on doing the Chinese cooking because uh, I wasn't really popular at the time, you know, or uh, there was, wasn't a big demand. There was only like, um, you know, takeaway food, you know, because uh, there wasn't really kind of feel for authentic Chinese at that time, even though like we were eating really authentic um, Chinese dishes um, in for our dinner and, and behind the scenes with the family and that, you know. Um, so I got I applied for Kelly Beggs' uh, professional cookery course with CERT. And um, that's how my um, French uh, cuisine career started, yeah. And at what stage were you at the Culinary Olympics? I was in the. I was actually in the Culinary Olympics um, twice as a junior and once as a senior. So I was at the Olympics three times in total. Mm-hmm. And what was that like as an experience? Um, it was good. I, um, I joined the panel of chefs when I was in college. Um, I was doing a lot of... Um, uh, competitions, you know, free college and Kelly Beggs was always for in competitions and um, 
training their chefs, you know, and you know, be just the more knowledge and compete uh, with regional. So at that time, uh, the panel chefs would always hold little competitions between Connacht uh, and Dublin, like Chef Ireland. And they have an Ulster and also they have a Monster as well. So I used to do all them competitions and um, I got selected for the, the junior team. Yeah, so I was I was uh, just cooking off all the time and training and judges judging me and guide, guidance all the way, you know, so yeah. At what stage then did you realise that you wanted to work in a Michelin star environment? Because you have worked for at least two that I've read about, two Michelin star restaurants in Ireland. I always wanted to learn more, you know, it wasn't about, uh, I just wanted to learn and I, enjoy, I love the food and I love the bowls of the kitchen as well, you know. So um, I worked. I worked in Lecker Van and also worked in um, Chapter One for a while. I used to work in. Um, it was Peacock Alley at the time, but um, on the gallery, uh, just I think they just moved up to where Taunton used to be up in Fitzwilliam. But uh, it was an uh, English mission star chef that he came over for a while. We went over the Commons then to work for Aidan Byrne for. Um, a while as well so I always wanted that um, quick environment you know where you um, get the buzzing um, always enjoying the food and always enjoying learning you know I've always said on the show whenever I'm talking to chefs or different people from different walks of life in the culinary arena that travel is so important and you've recently come back from a trip to Hong Kong which which inspired you with what you're doing at the moment my mother's side family is all still in Hong Kong so um, big family in Hong Kong so I start uh, travelling back uh, I'll go back every year or every two years I love the street food there I'm very inspired about um, just the flavours you know and also Hong Kong has been moving so fast you know so every year you go back there's always new places and new restaurants popping up especially with the street food and some of the flavours that the, they come out with Korean was very big at the time and Japanese is blowing up over there so it's very inspiring and the uh, and the produce there is is really as well. Um, everything's so fresh too. When you go down the fish market, all the fish is alive. <laughs> so you just pick it alive, and they kill it there for you. And same with chickens, or you know, so everything is really fresh and killed there on the spot. Such a culture, just um, surrounded with food and involved with food. And there's huge benefits to eating Asian-inspired cuisine because it's one of the the healthiest types of cuisine that you can have. Um, I think so, yeah, because um, there's not much um, butter being used in the cuisine itself, you know. So, and also uh, not much dairy products. I love cooking. I love um, at the moment. I'm really enjoying being inspired by Asian cooking, and you know, um, going back to my roots, you know, because um, I've been cooking uh, French cuisine all my life, learning about French cooking and learning their basic techniques and their techniques, you know. And in the more recent years, like in the last five years. Especially after eating, um, I've eaten in a three-star restaurant over in Madrid, and um, it was a it's a chef called David Manus, and he has three-star, and he does um, Asian fusion, you know, with um, Spanish cuisine, and I've just when I ate that there, I just wanted to cry because I got the connection there and the flavors, you know, that um, represents my childhood when I was growing up, and I said, "Geez, 
you can actually be really confident with this. This is about um, six years ago, five years ago. I've been really researching and um, going really into the Asian cuisine in the last while and going back to Hong Kong and getting them flavours and learning the spices and that, you know. It is a really healthy um, a healthy way of cooking. Those visits then that you're talking about and, and enjoying all those flavours, is that what brought you to develop or start to develop a range of sauces? It's a fun thing um, between me and uh, a partnership with uh, one of my sous chefs from Soda & Co. Two of us... Um, we got, went into this venture and started um, doing the hot sauces and yeah so I, I wanted to do a sauce that's because I always go to street food stalls and every street food stall has um, all their sauces out you know it's about five or six and one of them was always either chili oil or chili chili like a ketchup so when I came home I was looking for something very similar and I couldn't find it anywhere so I said right I'm going to try and make one so I've been trying lots and lots over in the space of a year and giving people a lot of testings and that and I and started mixing you know miso with um, some of the chilli paste and you know soya and I wanted to incorporate um, Irish and you know because I, I just wanted to be Irish and you know I found combo seaweed from you know around the shores as well and I said so I wanted to incorporate that because um, combo has a natural umami and in it, you know, so that uh, gives the, you know, the sauce great flavour when you mix it, you know, infuse it with soya sauce, you know, so, yeah, so it was going well, um, we we started um, selling in retail there, I think last October, and we're in about uh, maybe 30 supervisors around the country, and also maybe about 10 really small artisan shops as well, yeah. And that's Chan Chan sauce, that's what it's called. Yeah, so it's Chan Chan's, uh, it's really Hong Kong street sauce. Um, the company that we started was uh, Chan Chan. Mm-hmm. And what would you recommend if somebody goes in now to, to a shop in the morning and sees that and picks it up, what do you recommend they put it with? Mm-hmm. Um, so we create a sauce um, that you can use on anything really. Use it in dips um, as a cold dip um, for you say your chicken wings or you know your dumplings even. Um some people are using just um, to sprinkle over things, um, you know, in your burger or whatever. Um, also using stir fries as well, so very good with rice dishes, uh, noodle dishes as well, like a udon noodle. And you can also make a use it in broths as well, just um, small drop into your soup noodle broth. Uh, very good with ramen. Um, very good in stews, uh, just to liven up a stew. But I know uh, people have been. You know, text me back and saying, "Look, we've been putting them in the stroni, and uh, it's really, really nice." You know, so, <laughs> so um, yes, so a lot of stuff are coming up with, but uh, chicken wings as a uh, main. It sounds like it's a very flexible sort of an ingredient to have in the cupboards there that you can l- use it for lots of different things and not just for Chinese food. Yeah, so we wanted to create a sauce that um, that everybody can enjoy and still get that. Um, you know, the sauce is kind of made from a miso base. So, like, we have no garlic in it, so it doesn't have that kind of aftertaste, and it's still full of flavour, you know. But with uh, comparing to other sweet chilli sauce or, you know, chilli sauce on the market, it's all it's all loaded with garlic or sugar, you know. So, If somebody wanted to stock up on a few basic ingredients so that they can cook, start cooking if they've never cooked Chinese food at home, what what are the basic, basic sort of ingredients that they should have in the cupboard? I always, um, in my cupboard now, I always have a, a really good soy sauce, you know. Um, I always buy a, a lovely uh, triple... Um, triple aged uh, bonito soya, which um, which you know, which is Japanese, and 
So I always have a light soy sauce, which is Chinese as well. Um, very good for, you know, uh, steaming fish and that. If you're having a nice piece of steamed fish and you put soy sauce over it, and um, it's just really nice, you know. And um, sesame oil, a pure sesame oil, it's always very good. Um, because you can make a you can make a dressing out of it, or you can um, you know use it for frying and that you know. Um, it has a lovely nutty kind of fragrant flavour of it, and also a Shaoxian uh, cooking wine. So I always love uh, putting a drop of wine into my stir fries and that. Um, it's a it's a Chinese sherry that you can get. It's kind of got that sweet um, and um, I suppose a real fragrant kind of aftertone, so you can smell it. Um, very nice for seafood, so if you're doing um, a lobster or something like that, uh, grilling lobsters, really, really good, you know, frying um, even prawns. And, and of course, all of yeah. those ingredients are readily available now. You don't. You, there used to be a time when you had to go to the Asian supermarket to get them, but most ordinary supermarkets have them now, or have a section there with all those bits and pieces stocked in them. Yeah, most, most, uh, a lot of supermarkets have, uh, you know, soy sauce and sesame oil and, you know, um, stocked up. But um, if you really want to go for the authentic stuff, you know, um, like authentic, you know, stuff that came out of, like a pure sesame oil that come from China or somewhere, you know, go to the Asian market and get the really, really, you know, good stuff. Like, you know, it's it's worth that extra couple of euros, you know, and if you're a real food enthusiast, you know, so I really recommend that. Yeah. <laughs> And another food enthusiast that you're very friendly with is Mei Chin. Just explain to us who Mei Chin is. Um, so Mei Chin is um, it's uh, she's a writer and uh, she's an author as well. Uh, she's a food writer as well. So uh, she done she's from America and Manhattan, and um, she writes for um, prints like um, Vogue. Uh, New York Times and also uh, the Lucky Peach as well. Lucky Peach is a, a really big chef's magazine um, that comes out from David Chang and um, she lives in Ireland so me and me hooked up about um, I'd say about a year ago and uh, she was actually interested in finding me at one stage through um, just friends talking, you know, she knew, she knew one of our friends and um we got hooked up and she was saying, now, I heard about you before and you were doing uh, French Cuisine, Cooking Mission, um, Mission uh, Standard, uh, working Mission Standard, you know, in, in the kitchen, cooking food and um, with a Chinese background. She was really interested in the story. So we got talking with both kind of similar background growing, you know, as an immigrant, you know, she was in America, me in um, Ireland. Obviously, America has a lot more... Uh, of a food culture, you know, with uh, the Chinese Ireland, we didn't. So, with our two backgrounds, we started to we started to um, started a project called Slanchi. So, Slanchi is um, it's just trying to you know um, find out um, about Chinese food in Ireland, and you know, directing people not to be afraid to order authentic Chinese food in Chinese places and actually showing people where actually good food is, you know, Chinese food is. And we want to get, you know, recently we um, had interviews with um, just kind of like we want to find, you know, go back and see um, how far did the Chinese community started in Ireland. 
and um, back in the, I think it was back in the 60s or back in the 50s uh, where the first restaurant was open. And um, yeah, so we're talking about also with the Asian market and how did they start? Because used to come over monthly from England and there was no Asian market here. So we talked about uh, talked to the owner of Asian market and, you know, it's been a good journey so far, searching on our um on our culture, yeah, how it starts here. Very interesting, and a very interesting career to date. It's been great to talk to you tonight about it. I'd imagine that the Donegal food scene has changed somewhat since you, your youth. I came from a very small town, you know, and um, potatoes was always on. Um, even though I had lovely food at home, cooking up by my gran, my grandmother, you know, uh, dumplings in the year and that. Um, the Donegal scene, you know, food scene has uh, really come along since um, back in the the 80, 80s, like in up up to the up to there, like you know. So, with um, really good chefs, I think Kelly Beggs has done a lot for it as well, training really good chefs, and also um, uh, Dono Doherty as well from Harry's and Bridgend, Um, You know, using fresh produce, um, I think it was a real kind of turning point for Donegal using fresh produce and. You know, cooking in, in a nice way instead of just um, you know meat and two veg. You know, it's just uh, just um, um, Christopher Malloy is really doing well up there as well. Lemmy and Larry Kenny, he's really pushing out the um, the Donegal, being the Donegal ambassador for food as well. You know, and also um, Barry O'Hannon as well. Um, you know, uh, a colleague of mine that I went to college with. Um, and Kelly Beggs really uh, shouting about Donegal food as well. I think it's really coming along. I think in the next couple of years now it's going to be interesting, Donegal. Uh, maybe a lot of chefs probably move back, um, uh, working from a very high standard kitchen, uh, maybe open their own restaurants because um, Donegal is like the ingredients and the well, we will be keeping a close eye on that. In the meantime, all the best with the sauces and your other projects. And thanks so much for talking to me tonight. Thanks very much, Jack. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste with me, Sharon Noonan. So far on the show tonight, resident restaurant reviewer Rachel Keeley was in Cork and we've heard all about The Silver Room, Newcastle West's newest restaurant. And just before the break, we learned lots about Asian cuisine with Kwanji Chan. And whenever Kwanji was talking there about his experience in the places he worked, he did neglect to mention that he was head chef at one stage at the Cliff House Hotel in Ardmore in County Waterford and of course it has a Michelin star so he was being very modest not mentioning that. It's time now for the final interview of the evening and it's from my latest visit north whenever I seize the opportunity to catch up with Caroline Wilson of Belfast Food Tour fame. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. Caroline great to see you here in Belfast. Hello, how are you doing? I'm great and I was just reminiscing about two years ago whenever I was first on the Belfast food tour. I can't believe it's two years and it's just gone from strength to strength. Time flies when you're having fun. I can't believe it's been two years either. No, we are definitely just um, sort of on a crest of a wave right now following the year of food and drink. So it's been busy, busy, busy. The year of food and drink in Northern Ireland has really improved the profile of what the culinary attributes are of the province. Massively. I think both 
outside of Northern Ireland and inside of Northern Ireland. It's worked very well in focusing people to look at what is the food and drink of Northern Ireland rather than maybe people wouldn't have known even a year or two ago where they could find their local butter or you know their local gin, whatever it is. But I think now people have a much better idea of what is local, which is just perfect for someone like me. Has it given you the opportunity to develop the Belfast Food Tour into something even better and bigger than it was originally? Yes, great news. The career break has got a little bit more broken than I had maybe even expected. So I'm looking forward into the next even two or three years, which is amazing for my business. Um, We've now turned it into, when I say we, I've got a new business partner. So uh, Phil and I have turned the Belfast Food Tour into a new company and it's Tasting Tour NI. So we are really expanding our tours and expanding where we operate and just getting out and about and introducing more people, um, both at home or people from home and also uh, tourists into new parts of the city, but also outside of it. We were talking about your career break there. We must remind the listeners that the career was in law. You're, You're a solicitor. Yes, 15 years and then decided to take the leap and go into food and drink. Uh, tours which is just madness and I did say at the time I think that I was taking the career break so that my mother wouldn't be freaking out but she's fine now and more than happy that it's going from strength to strength she can see it so it's fine and Phil's background then is marketing so you have two different skill sets there that marry well together big time Phil as it's again as a solicitor my my background certainly wasn't marketing I think we're probably the worst people at marketing but Phil has come in not only as as a person with that background, but he also loves to eat and loves to cook, and that's really how we met at our at the cookbook club here in Belfast. So once we had a meeting of minds, and he loves he is the same as me. He loves the local food, and he he really gets on so well with people. So uh, bringing his skill set to add to the the business as it was has really brought us on to another level. So tell us a bit about some of the tours that Taste and Tour NI offer. We're doing, and again thanks to Phil, we're doing a new whiskey walk which has been it's been really well received. Uh, we've been, we go around a number of uh, great whiskey bars in Belfast and get to have a few drinks as we go and we've got a, a guy who's all knows all about the whiskey with us. So we do that and we've got the, um, we have a brewery tour that goes outside of Belfast as well to so get to go and meet a couple of brewers and they're very different breweries, not just the traditional, we've got a cooperative and we've got a digital brewery, which is exciting. And then- What's a digital brewery? A digital brewery is, it's a it's a thing called, um, it's a, sorry, well, I'll not tell you because it's a bit of a surprise. As you know, I like to keep it a yeah, surprise where right. we go on the tour. I, I looked back, I could see some of the notes I had taken from the last tour, but, always kept them to myself never shared no that's great and and it's funny that all of the guests are pretty much the same they are very good at keeping things a surprise because they know that it's so much fun to come out on a on a little trip and not know where you're going and that's part of the fun as i say as adults we never really get very many surprises nowadays so it's good to well maybe i'm just the only one i don't know but it's good to uh, be taken on a bit of a magical mystery tour but the piece of kit that we go to see is something that's operated by a mobile phone and it brews the beer according to your smartphone. Wow. I know. It's very interesting. Isn't it? I'd say it really blows people away whenever they see that. It's just something different and it's not going and seeing the, the more traditional brewery. You don't want to go and see the three breweries doing three of the same things. So it's an exciting tour and um, the beer lovers love it. And we have new tours coming out even as well along for this uh, 2017. Um, which I'm really looking forward to 
getting on to uh, yeah on to up for sale. Do you find that the profile of your guests has changed over the past couple of years? I think as the word has got out, yes, we've got more tourists coming in, but it is still people from Ireland as a whole, uh, mostly still from the north, but they are coming up and I think the main driver of that has been thanks to some of the guests from the tourist board up here, but also um, TripAdvisor has been great for us, so it's spread the word. I think everyone's relying on the reviews on it and uh, most of those would be good. You travel a lot yourself, you were on a, a recent trip there to Australia and whenever you're away do you seek out the food tours there? I and do, go I on try them? to go and, and even just to meet the people that are doing what I'm doing, I think that's very important to be able to talk to someone, there aren't that many of us, so it's good to be able to talk to someone that's doing the same thing as you do and it's there's a real connection there so I did try to do that funny, uh, I made a booking but at 41 degrees they couldn't take us and they had to cancel it and I was just thinking you wouldn't get that in Belfast. No, you wouldn't have that problem <laughs> anywhere not, in no. Ireland I would imagine. No. That must have been very disappointing. It was disappointing because I just like to be able to get an idea of what other people are doing so that I can get better, I mean that's the whole point of it. But it was great to being able to speak to the uh, the people that are doing it over. There. It was actually the um, feast on food. It was in Adelaide, and it's just someone again with such passion for what they do and really having a good time um, with local food and, and people. And again, over there, it was a, it was um, the locals that were people who lived around in the city were coming uh, to her tour, which was great. It's just really just like me. Out of all the tours that you've done all over the world, is there any one in particular that stands out for you? I loved uh, one I did in Venice, and I think that was maybe the one, looking back at, at it, maybe just did plant a seed. But, you know, I've done, obviously, the, the Dublin one. I've, I haven't actually done that many. I wish I could have done a lot more than I've done. I've met the ones in uh, Malaga as well, and places like that, where just to see what it is that everyone's putting out there, and also those types of places that were more looking at tourists and where I've started looking at the beginning with locals so it's even good to look to, to change my viewpoint on it and and see what tourists want whenever they come in as, as a tourist into these places but the one in Venice I always heard there was never any good food in Venice and I suddenly just had such a culinary adventure in a couple of hours with someone who was vivacious and gave us great pointers on where to eat and it was much more than just going around and eating. Because I think whenever I'm away and you're looking for places to eat, it isn't the tourist places that you want no. to go to. You want to go to those back street places the that the tourists place. don't yeah. know about that the locals are eating in. Absolutely. And better value for money usually. Much better. And also the experience is real. It's this whole authentic experience that everyone's talking about nowadays. But years ago, I think all of us were going looking for an authentic experience. I mean, everybody talks about finding that little place down a back street and you turn right, whereas I was always the person who turned left and never got to that little place. But if you can find someone who's got, who wants to share the knowledge they have for somewhere they love, well, I think that's, you find gold on any trip that you're on. Where is that little place in Belfast, that secret Ooh. place? You have to reveal it tell to you. us now. No, you have to come on the tour to find <laughs> out. There's a few and it's great. Again, with and, and Northern Ireland wide as well, I think this the year of food and drink has, has also the producers and the restaurants and bakeries or coffee shops or wherever we are, those places now are looking at bringing tourism to their either their farms or their shops or wherever it is 
And that's very interesting, the way that's all changed in this last year. Uh, that wasn't there before. So again, someone like me wanting to do tours outside of Belfast, being able to travel around and see new facilities that can bring, you know, that we can bring numbers into of people, then it's really changing just the how the how the economy I think and those um, on that level how that's all even working out and the the year of food and drink then has brought that community together the food community Definitely. together you've been able to network more and maybe whenever you do visit somebody's farm for example you can see the potential there for visits and what they can Definitely. do that they might not be able to see because they're so close to it and they maybe think why would anybody want to come to this absolutely. farm absolutely i mean I, I took whenever i did take my inverted commas career break i took a little i took a, a couple of days and i did drive around to see because i was stuck at a desk for 15 years i've not really seen what's been around northern ireland and how it had changed so it was great to go and meet a couple of people that they were in units that they thought well this is not a very glamorous unit and I'm and I was looking at it going no it may not be a glamorous unit but you do make the best sourdough in this uh, country and it would be a real shame if people weren't up making the sourdough with you nobody's looking around at a white wall in fact it's lovely and clean for a reason you know it may not have sort of that you know what I mean a, a sort of a, a look that maybe the baker would like it to look like who cares so it was. It's, I can see now, even going to breweries and and seeing where they're bringing people in. I mean, there's breweries popping up everywhere, and people are not just looking at making beer. They're looking at how do we bring people in to watch us make beer or learn how to make beer themselves. And that was never something that we had here. I think people like to see the rawness of it and it in its true form. They're, yes. they're not looking for bells and whistles correct and fancy dancy things to kind of make it something that it actually isn't absolutely and i think that's where our next step will be here that maybe we'll see that it doesn't need to be that much to really entice people and to interest people i was hearing about something actually i don't know if it was in your neck of the world but somewhere nearby where this lady in a b&b she uh, she had this something happened and they were having breakfast and the farmer was bringing the cows down the down the field and some woman had said from america that she'd never actually seen a cow up for up close so she said go on ahead and join go on up and get into the field and help them out well it's now turned into a feature and tourists now go and help her husband bring the cows down from the top field down and they love it they just love it something yeah. so simple that you know if you're living in a city and i'm say you live in New York when's the last time you brought a cow down through the field well that's not going to happen so even I think as well as that we need to know the tourists are around and I, I think we all now know the tourists are here and it's about us being able to even get them outside of Belfast and, and get them to enjoy that but maybe get them another day somewhere else if they're doing two or three days let's get them out and really enjoy somewhere else outside of Belfast getting that more authentic a bit rougher around the edges um, experience this is fantastic to talk to you and um, it's always great to catch up. I, I don't see you going back to the law in the near future anyway. I hope not. It would be great to keep out and about. I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying what I do and I'm loving seeing even now the new products that are coming out and what's happening here. So another year in, we'll see how that goes. And thank you so much for keeping an eye out and for spreading the word. You better tell the listeners where they can get all the info. There's me and my marketing problems there now. You know why I have Phil. It's uh, tasteandtour.co.uk. And thanks again. Continued success, Caroline. Thanks so much for talking to me. Cheers. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm.
That brings us to the end of tonight's programme. Thanks so much to Rachel Keeley, Maciej and Wojtek in the Silver Room restaurant, Kwanji Chan and Caroline Wilson. I'll be back at the same time next week, all being well. Until then, bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit.